Hello, gals and guys, and welcome back to the Sleeping Giant Podcast. I'm your host, Grayson Marcotte, and this episode is going to be pretty fun. I'll be joined by the loveliest Hufflepuff, Maggie Ransom, and we're going to talk a little bit of art, a little bit of Star Wars, and a whole lot of Stranger Things. So I hope you enjoy the show, y'all. Stumbled onto the sleeping giant. Let's draw it, Mark. All right, so I'm here with Maggie Ransom, who I think I mentioned before in the very first episode is uh, my wife. Uh, we don't share the same last name, as you may have noticed. Because we're postmodern and cool like that. <laughs> yeah. So say hello. Hello. That that was brief. Uh, <laughs> well, we're going to be doing a few things tonight. It's going to be a little bit different. This is a little bit more free form. A um, little bit more stream of consciousness than a show normally would be. I don't know if that's the right terminology, but whatever. Uh, so what's what's happened since the last show? It seems like it's been forever. Um well, let's see. The Sleeping Giant had its uh, one-year anniversary, so that was cool. It was Maggie's idea to do a, um, a Harry Potter pop giveaway, so that yeah, was fun. I take credit for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We gave away a uh, Hot Topic exclusive Remus Lupin in his werewolf form, which uh, went to Funko Liz. So if you're listening, Funko Liz, uh, that was very cool. I'm, I'm glad it found a good home. I'm glad you're happy with it. Uh, we had our anniversary um, also. In October, which uh, it's a little confusing, yeah, because we've, <laughs> we've been together for eight years and married three, three, something like that. Two, three, yeah, it's kind of hard <laughs> to keep up with at this point, but uh, yeah, so it, it's definitely we've had some some fun things happening, some cool things happening. Um, let's see. So I was going to ask you um, before we started tonight. You were actually you were working on something. Are you you're getting a new Etsy shop up? Yeah. Um, it's not up and running yet, so uh, I won't say much about it. But um, when I do get it up, it will be called Daisy Links Designs. And what are you doing? Um, mostly making um, bookish gifts, like bookmarks and um, art prints that revolve around literary characters. But I'll also be doing um, just pop culture uh, art prints and stuff like that. Uh, I saw one of those that you were doing. Um, actually, I guess I've seen a few of them. Uh, you had one that uh, I recognize as the Akami, which mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah, from Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, that was a really, really pretty bird. I don't know if you'd call it a bird. <laughs> a bird, yeah, snake, I, dragon. I guess it's a fantastic thing. beast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I really like that one. Um, and you guys will be able to see that as soon as as uh, as soon. As, I don't, did you post any preview images? No, not yet. 
No. Okay. Well, when she does, we will let you know. Um, and of course, you'll be able to check out her Etsy shop. And uh, what was what were your Instagram accounts? Um, I have a bookstagram, which is Bibliolinks. That's links like the cat. And um, I started one for my Etsy shop and my art, which will be uh, Daisy Links Designs. And that's Daisy underscore links underscore designs. Awesome. You guys be sure and check that out. It's really cool. You know, I, I know I have a sort of uh, a marital obligation to, uh, <laughs> to push this stuff, but um, in all seriousness, it's very cool. She's a wonderful artist, and she's been drawing and painting uh, just pretty much her entire life, and it really shows. I think you guys will really like it. I'm impressed, and I say that under no coercion whatsoever, no threat of pain or death. You guys will like it. Um, right? <laughs> Tell them. I Tell didn't him ask him to say anything. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's see. We just, uh, gosh, October's been so busy. Let's see. We just wrapped up Halloween. Which was mm-hmm. fun. Um, we went to that little local convention put on by Emerald City Comics. That yeah, was fun. That, was, that was a whole lot of fun. We met some really cool people uh, doing that. Got some great art, uh, a few prints, and uh, one original piece. Um, by Daniel Gavar. Yeah, yeah, that one was really cool. I, I, I believe that it was the gentleman uh, or the man with the thistle down hair from Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell. My favorite miniseries. Yeah, that that was a whole lot of fun. But that image was particularly cool. Yes, and he was an all around cool guy too. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot of a lot of different fantasy images and um, a lot of dragons. He was working on what was it, a series of gods and deities, I think. Mm-hmm. For Inktober, I think yeah. that was his theme. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that was the case. Um, but mm-hmm. brilliant artist also, and very fun guy to talk to, and. Hopefully we can wrangle him onto the show and uh, just have kind of a, a little chat for a while. Um, but uh, let's see. This seems like there was one other big thing. Stranger Things season oh, two. Yeah. We need to watch that again. We watched it too fast. Yeah. Can you watch it too fast? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess we could go back and take our time with it. It was, I, you know, I, um, I enjoyed season two a lot, but... If, the first know, season was definitely the stronger season. Yeah, and I hate to I hate to nitpick, but I guess it's in my nature, and I probably wouldn't bother doing this podcast if that wasn't the case. But uh, <laughs> it just it seems like it seems like they tried to do a few too many things too quickly. Yeah, and I just I don't like like I said before I don't like it when you start out with kind of a small contained story like contained to one area one town one group of people and it's great and then they you can tell that they're aiming for like a, a bigger more worldly issue going on it usually ruins the story so i'm really hoping that they're careful with that so do you think of that monster uh, oh sorry guys spoilers 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 yeah be careful. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be <laughs> so if you don't want to hear any stranger things season two spoilers just Go ahead and turn this off right now because there are going to be, there may be just a few. So go back to the question. All right, you guys have had plenty of time to turn this off. Uh, Do you think that the monster uh, at the end is, I mean, do you think it's going to be a a global issue or is it just after 
those people in well, that town. I would assume so because like um, it seemed like it was trying to break through into the town um, initially by setting up that root system. It was trying to sink itself into the town and eventually um, take over the town, not just in the upside down, but on the I don't know yeah, if you call it the true. right side up, but um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Conversely, I but like, that would be the case. Once it broke through into our world or the real world, however you would put it, like, there's no way the the rest of the world could ignore it. Oh yeah. And I'm yeah. sure it would. It means to spread. I guess what I meant was, um, it seems kind of personal, you know, the whole issue with because uh, I had thought that. Um, I had thought that maybe one of the reasons why it was after Will in the first place was because it had its child, you know, like maybe the the demo dog. I think just because it, it became linked to him after that, like there was still a piece of itself inside of him. It, it became a part of him. Because it, he had been in the Upside Down for so long? Yeah, just because of his link to its offspring, I guess. I don't, that's just, that's what I assumed. Yeah, I guess there's not really, I mean... But I don't think it's, like, after Will, personally. I think it's only because of that <laughs> yeah. link. But once that was broken in Season 2, I think Will's, you know, I don't think it's going to be coming after him, personally. I guess there's not really any way to know until Season 3, which is going to seem like forever <laughs> and a day away. Yeah. My God. Yeah, well, that wasn't too bad on the spoilers, I guess. I, um, I kind of wanted to do... I didn't necessarily want to do an episode by episode breakdown because obviously that would take way too long. But um, I got I do have a handy uh, synopsis of each episode actually that comes from uh, Netflix. So I was going to ask, uh, what was? Did you have a favorite episode? Oh gosh, um, like I said, we watched it so fast. I don't really remember, yeah. you know, what happened in the individual episodes. Um, I did enjoy the one where, um, gosh, I'm so bad with names, um, hair, hair guy. The hair guy? Steve. Steve, thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve the hair, whatever his last name is. Um, yeah, I enjoyed where he, he kind of like took charge of the group of kids and was like leading them in hunting down and... Attempting to destroy the demi dog, the demi dogs. Demi dogs. Yeah. It's a yeah. cool word. Please use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dustin's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dustin he became kind of kind of paternal. Yeah, no, he did. He even called himself the babysitter, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, that was that was fun. Just watching him connect with the kids and not just being like the boyfriend. Right, Steve Harrington, the boyfriend. Right, Harrington is his last name. Oh, uh, Steve the Hair Harrington. Yeah, there you go. That's Steve funny. the Hair Harrington. That's correct. Joe <laughs> Keery, you're welcome. By the way, um, but yeah, I I thought it was good. Um, it was I really. Thought, oh, sorry, uh, I was just gonna say it was really interesting too, seeing um, just Hopper attempting to have a relationship with. 11 like a father-daughter relationship oh yeah but because of his need to protect her and of course you know just her age it doesn't really matter you know that she has special powers or what she's going through just she's becoming a teenager so there's going to be friction there anyway 
And, you know, he never got that with his daughter, so... And she's, you know, in so much danger, so having to... You know, all fathers want to keep their daughters locked inside, because <laughs> you don't yeah, know. Right. Well, it was especially heartbreaking, I thought, because he did lose his daughter. Yeah. So to see him kind of um, foster... Uh, well, foster her, and also that particular relationship was... Um, it was pretty emotional, you know, because I can only imagine what that yeah. would be like. And then to so it was develop... good to see them come back together at the end because it felt like he was losing her too in a way. Well, yeah, that would have that really would have been heartbreaking. Yeah, just like emotionally, like because she was trying to, you know, extract herself from that situation with him out in the cabin because um, he was just smothering her. <laughs> but she, I mean, what she else was could he literally do? locked in a cell? Well, not a cell, but. I mean, she had, you know, uh, she had a home, and I mean, it was small, but there were plenty of creature comforts. Yeah, but he was gone all the time, so she was just lonely. Yeah, it wasn't unlike a type of prison. Yeah, he just, I don't think he realized that, you know, uh, by locking her away, it may have been safe, but, you know, what is a safe life worth if you don't get to have a life? It's, you know, it's worth a little bit of danger. He at least could have let her have seen Mike on occasion or brought Mike out to the cabin carefully or, you know, something. Some risk would have, you know, been worth it just so that she could feel like she had a life. Yeah, we say that as uh, as parents. Hopefully we can keep that in mind. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, when, uh, when our little girl gets older because it's going to be hard. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I thought that it had a strong start. I will say that. Yeah. For season two, uh, the first episode was Mad Max, which, um, you know, obviously is a, a throwback to the Mad Max series, or at least an allusion to the Mad Max series, but it also alludes to a mm. uh, new character. In I the did show. not care for Max. Yeah, yeah, she. I hate to say it, but she didn't really have a whole lot going on. No. Unless we missed it. Like you said, maybe we just watched it too fast and we yeah. should go back up and. Or go. I mean, go I felt up. bad for her that, you know, she was getting these mixed signal. Like, some of the boys were trying to pull her into the group, and others were excluding her, yeah. and they didn't quite know what to do with her. And I felt bad for her in that regard. But at the same time, just her character was not very stimulating as a viewer. Yeah, I, I unfortunately, I'd have to agree with that. I would love to just. Um, say that every single thing and every single character in season two was amazing and I was in love with it but it definitely had its uh had its weaker points where maybe I'm, I'm looking at it through rose colored glasses but the first season was just so good it was so good yeah. oh and um speaking of you know characters we didn't care for um the character eight did she have another name or did she just go by eight uh kali i think kali yeah she went um, by i could be wrong i mean about she that. was really cool but that's what i mean when i talk about them expanding like things are getting bigger and you know i guess that's fine but it was the first season was so good because it was contained it had that small town feel and you know and i think everybody recognized that it kind of felt like a stephen king novel and like, I, I just finished reading It, and if you think about It, it's like, it's a huge story, but it's all contained in one small place, and that's, you know, part of what makes it so good. Right. Is it has, like, a quaintness to it. Do you think it's just the timing of It and Stranger Things too, and also that the cast overlaps with at least, what, Finn, right? 
mm. Finn Wolfhard. I think he's the the overlapping um, actor from the two series. Do you think that because of the timing, there are? Do you think that the parallels between the two stories are? Do you think? I guess I'm asking. Do you think those parallels exist, or do you oh, think yeah. that people are only drawing them because of the timing of the release? I feel like it's totally an homage to it and just Stephen King's stories in general. I mean. It is about a group of kids, and there's a monster, and, you know, none of the adults really acknowledge the monster at first, you know, and so the kids have to take it upon themselves to hunt down and destroy the monster. So it, it has so many similarities. Well, yeah, I don't really know why I asked that question at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, so... I guess uh, you know I I'm I really like to keep talking about Stranger Things, but I'm afraid that we'll give uh, either too many spoilers or we'll end up talking about it the whole time. Um, although I, I <laughs> Is will that say a bad thing? no, no, <laughs> not at all. But we could definitely do it in in uh, other shows. Yeah. Um, yeah I, the only thing I wanted, the last thing I wanted to say, I guess, because there. There are a lot of things I would like to say about Stranger Things. Um, specifically, I've been looking into um, and thinking about some of the parallels drawn from um, source material from from the uh, from from the eighties, uh, as well as some of the um, I guess some of the sub subtext within the story, dealing with. Uh, you know, just the nature of good and evil, light versus dark, that whole thing. So that might actually be a show. The only story that there yeah, really right. is. Yeah, <laughs> right. The only story. The oldest story. The oldest story. Um, so yeah, uh, that and I thought that the episode called The Mind Flare was specifically cool. I wanted to, to give a shout out to all our D&D nerds and D&D players mm-hmm. out there. Um, not that we weren't recognized uh, throughout the first season of Stranger Things and and I think the opening scene of the first yeah, season that's, was them playing D&D, right? Yeah, that was a great opening scene cuz they immediately caught you know the nerd group by their belt loops. I mean, <laughs> we as soon yeah. as it started, we were we were into it. There was no going back after that opening scene. No, such a good show, so well done. Um, uh, and, and you know, um, I said that I, I was going to move on uh, from Stranger Things, but I, I would like to say one of the things that I love about it too is just seeing the fun that those guys are having, uh, guys and girls, I should say. Uh, you know, you can just tell that the cast they get along oh, so yeah. well, and they're having so much fun. When you see so them at fun. the award shows and in interviews, they you can tell they're best friends, and it totally plays on screen. Yeah, too. and that's one of the things I love about it. It almost makes you feel like you're. Uh, you're a part of the group, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, so that was uh, that. That definitely gave us a lot to talk about in the future. I think I'm looking forward to that. Um, I think it's time for a little Star Wars trivia. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> like we said uh, in the beginning, uh, there was going to be a little Star Wars, and we thought uh, it would be kind of fun to. Um, to have some Star Wars trivia. Let me make it clear before we do this. I like Star Wars. I am not a fanatic she like my husband. Love it. I, <laughs> you I, love I really it. love the new stuff. I loved Rogue One and yeah. the um 
Oh, God. The Force Awakens. There um, you go. <laughs> I'm going to be terrible on the jury. But, um, you know, I really love the new stuff. Um, and, you know, I think the only reason I didn't absolutely love the older movies was because... You know, when I was growing up and watching them, they just, they felt so dated. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the um, episodes, was it one, two, and three? One, those two, and three, three. yeah. Those we were just really terrible. Yeah. Any movie that can make both Natalie Portman and Liam Neeson look like terrible actors is just... Like cardboard cutouts? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who's responsible for that. Who could it be? His name starts with a P. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> well, I was oh, thinking no, George Lucas. I don't know why I had Peter Jackson on the mind, but yes, George Lucas. Sorry. Yeah, I would. Lo- I, you know what? I've been I, thinking about Peter Jackson a lot because yeah. I've been watching the Hobbit movies. I've always. Well, that makes sense. But you know <laughs> what else would make sense is if they actually remade one, two, and three with Peter Jackson at the helm. I would watch those movies. You know, I don't. I don't even care what his involvement or passion for the Star Wars saga is. Just please let anyone. Do, you know what? Give it to give it to Tommy Wiseau. Actually, I would watch those. <laughs> I, I would watch those. Yeah, the. Uh, You're tearing uh, me apart, Anakin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the love scenes between Anakin and oh, oh, no. Padme would be absolutely no. mind blowing. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay, all right, so here's what we're going to do. We thought it would be fun to do a little Star Wars trivia. Uh, just to kind of see what happens here, I, I found some questions on the internets, and I'm going to kind of just pick some at random. I hope it's um, like Star Wars for dummies. Well, I don't know. You know, <laughs> we're going to completely ignore episodes one, two, and three. Good. Which one would you say you've seen the most? Oh, I don't know. See, I'm... I'm so bad with them. Like I, I get them confused. Like just the first or the four, five, and six. Right. I get those movies confused. Well, we we watched. Uh, I could not tell you what happens. I could tell you what happens overall. Right. But in each individual film, I couldn't specify. Well, let's see what you remember. I think that Return <laughs> of the Jedi was probably the last one that we watched together. Well, no, we watched The Force Awakens a few times. Yeah, but we watched them all. I'd be much better at the Force Awakens, I think. I, I don't. Know. I don't have anything from the Force Awakens, so oh. so that's okay. So we're gonna have to do Return of the Jedi, I think, which was the one before that that we watched together. So okay, let's see. All right, here you go. Are you ready? Are you ready to lose all your uh, listeners? <laughs> no. <laughs> what is the name of the moon that the Death Star orbits? Oh, this is from Return gosh. of the Jedi. Um. Uh, murder moon. <laughs> I don't know. Negative. I don't know. It's the. Oh, it? All right, I'll give you a hint. It's the. It's it's the moon uh, that the Ewoks inhabited. In fact, they they made uh, another movie. Ewoktopia. N- that is not <laughs> correct. I don't know. It is indoor. indoor. Indoor is what you're looking for. That's the name. Sounds like it should be in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that was Gondor, uh, they made. Indoor. Let's do these, Lord uh, of the Rings trivia. You know, well, I thought about <laughs> it. I didn't didn't think we could put it in, in both episodes or in one episode, but I would gladly do that again. We can do a Lord of the Rings trivia. 
This is just going to be sad. Nobody's ever going to want to listen to this podcast again. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you know what, it's, it's, it's entertainment is what it is. That's actually one of the categories uh, that I upload the podcast under is entertainment. So there you go. Public, um, public humiliation. Who is in charge of the rebel fleet during the rebel Return, fleet. Of, yeah, Return of the Jedi? During Return of the Jedi. Uh, Leia. It is Admiral Akbar. Oh, yes, the Mon Calamari. You remember he was the guy who was like, It's a trap! Oh, the guy who looks like a, a fish? Yes, that okay. guy. Gotcha. Let's see. All right, so we are zero for two currently. But um, in The Force Awakens, General Organa, she's kind of like the lead of the rebels, isn't she? Well, she's, uh, she's, she's the leader. Well, it? it's kind of. She's the leader of the resistance. Yeah. And the resistance split off as sort of a splinter organization from the New Republic. After the fall of uh, the Empire, they had to sort of teach themselves how to rebuild the government. Yeah. And that was the New Republic. So okay. they couldn't, the resistance couldn't operate under the law. Um, under the New Republic, so they kind of had to to split off to okay. to counter the First Order. Yeah, it gets a it gets a little confusing, and I had to do a lot of uh, extra reading not re- extra reading, but you know I had to really involve myself in the peripheral stuff to to get the full scope of it. Um, okay, who kills Jabba the Hutt? Oh gosh. Um... Doesn't Leia strangle him with her chain? Yes, she does. Yes, she does. Three quarters in the nude. I think she I remember. Slays a hut. <laughs> I remember that because it was so satisfying. I was like, yeah. yes, and gross. Watching Kill his him. tongue flap around oh, like that. Oh yes. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Next question. Um, who killed Boba Fett? Boba. Yeah, this is kind of a trick question. Yeah, because isn't he... Um, well, we won't talk about that. I know you don't like to talk about that. Um, <laughs> right. Um, was it Han Solo? Kind of, sort of. Yeah, in in the film, he's. it appears that through sheer dumb luck, he triggers Fett's rocket pack mm-hmm. while he's still somewhat blind. Fett goes flying off and tumbles into the Sarlacc pit and is allegedly dead. So, but the the correct answer to the question is no one, which is kind of a, again, it's a trick question because according to um, earlier Star Wars work uh, in the Expanded Universe, there was a book called um, Tales of the Bounty Hunters. And one of them was called A Barf Like That, which um, the title alludes to a, a beast that was, I guess, somewhat like a cow. Um, but that's that's really neither here nor there. In the story, um, Boba Fett fights his way out of the Sarlacc. And um, actually, the guys at Blah Wars talked about this in their last episode, so I won't uh, rehash all that in, in the same way that they did, except... I'll add that uh, in that particular story, you meet or you get to see an old and uh, and clearly battle-worn Boba Fett um, face off against a, an old and clearly grizzled Han Solo, and uh, and the story was really cool in that they both just kind of decide that it isn't worth it, 
and they walk away from each other and, and call it done. Uh, but the point is, in the expanded universe, no one killed Boba Fett because he survived the Sarlacc. Um, <clears throat> there's a new series of books, though, uh, by Chuck Wendig, the Aftermath trilogy, I think. Uh, they they at least go on to talk about what happened to Fett's armor, but they haven't uh, really touched on what happened to Fett. So, um, at least to me, it's a little unclear as to whether or not he's alive or dead. So we'll see. You ready for another one? What? I fell asleep. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, what creatures live on Endor? You should be able to get this one. The Ewok. Yes! Yes, the Ewoks. And let's follow up that question with this one. Specifically, what limb did Luke Skywalker chop off of Darth Vader? His arm? Could you be more specific? Do I have to tell you which arm? Yeah, specifically. What limb did Luke Skywalker chop off from Darth Vader? His left arm. It was his right sword arm, which, again, I kind of disagree with because it was his hand that he severed. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you remember he cut it off and... And then he looked at his own hand. See, this and is how bad I am. Like, I, I can watch these movies over and over again, and then I remember nothing. It's just these specific movies. I don't know why I can't remember what happens. <laughs> All right, sad. let's go backwards, though. <laughs> let's do The Empire Strikes Back. Okay. What do Han and Luke ride in the snow on Hoth? Oh, Tauntaun. Yes. I love Tauntaun. I want one. I still want that Tauntaun and Han Pop. Oh, yeah. I'm, I regret that I missed that. We will have to get that. I love Tauntauns. They're so cute. All right. Let's see. This one's for, for all the uh, all the chips. Oh, all, all, the, all the puddings. Uh, how many bounty hunters are on the Executor when the Rebels are hiding in the asteroid field? What? I don't know. How would I know that? I don't know. Five. Maybe you count, You know what? You're close. It's six. Do you know who they wow. are? Wow. Does it say how many rebels? How many... Um, or bounty hunters. Bounty hunters. Yeah, you know, Vader sweeps in and he's talking to the bounty yeah. hunters about capturing the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, no, I, tells Boba I do Fett, not know who they are. No disintegration. So you know it was at least Boba Fett. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. Dengar, Zuckus, Forlom, Bosk, and IG-88 are the remaining bounty Yeah, hunters. I knew that. You should. I just forgot. All right, we'll go, we'll go backwards <laughs> then to episode four. And, uh, I, you know, I do think I've seen that one more than any of the others, now that I think about it. Who kills Greedo in the Moss Eisley Cantina? Han Solo. Absolutely right. There is no question about that. He fried poor Greedo. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, he did, in fact, shoot first. That's just... There wasn't even... You know what? I'm going to save it. I'm not even... I'm going to keep my blood pressure <laughs> nice and even right now. What planet does Luke live on at the beginning of the movie? Um, Alderaan? Alderaan? No. Tatooine, the Tatooine. desert planet of Tatooine. Oh wait, Alderaan is Leia's planet, right? That gets yes, fried. That's correct. Yeah. Very good. See, you remember. Yeah. 
Whose lightsaber was given to Luke? Um, it was Anakin's, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, or, it was. Yeah. Who was in charge of the Death Star? Darth Vader. No. Mm, no. Um, the sorcerer with the the vampire eyes and the jowls. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. Who who's who is in charge of the Death Star? Who who is in command? Oh, um, of, of that really stiff-looking dude. Yeah, what's his name? Do you remember? Stiff-looking dude. <laughs> Captain Stiff-looking dude. Captain Stiffy. Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin? Grand Moff. It's a title in the... <laughs> in, yeah, Grand Moff. I, I don't <laughs> fully understand it myself. Um, in fact, they have a good laugh over that title in, uh, in one of those Aftermath books that I was talking about a moment ago. Um yeah, I'm, I'm not going to recite that, but if, if you guys get a chance to, to read those books, they're actually pretty good. I enjoyed them. I listened to the, the audio books narrated by Mark Thompson, and he does a really good job with the voices and, and sort of conveying those things. Um, so check them out. They, they have fun with, with the title Moth, and I think it's universally recognized as ridiculous. Uh, let's see. Who is Obi-Wan Kenobi also known as? Um, ben Kenobi? Yes, absolutely right. So you know more about Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Yeah, see, I told you, I thought that was the first one I liked. But I also, I love Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's like, you know, when they do the Myers-Briggs mm-hmm. things online with the different um, fandoms, I always, I'm INFJ, and I'm always, I always get Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, he's cool and full of yeah. sass. Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi's got sass. More so the Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, I loved Ewan McGregor. That was one of the one good things about um, episodes one, two, and three was Ewan McGregor. Yes. As Obi-Wan. And I don't remember the voice actor's name who portrayed Obi-Wan in Clone Wars. Uh, but he he was pretty amazing. The character of Obi Wan was pretty good. In was it show. not Ewan McGregor? No, no. It sound, I, I know it's like not it a sounded lot like, like him. him. Yeah, a lot of those guys have uh, the voice talent in that show is is pretty incredible. Um, I think Anthony Daniels uh, does the voice of three PO, and I don't know if there are any other uh, Star Wars actors who reprise their their role. Oh wait, no. I think in Rebels. Uh, James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader, so it might be, might be James Earl Jones and Anthony Daniels. Those might be the only original actors to reprise their roles in the cartoons. But yeah, the guy does sound a lot like Ewan McGregor. Faux show. Anthony Daniels was very entertaining at the Star Wars. Celebration. Yes, he was. He was. <laughs> and you can really kind of tell that he's almost as much or more of a diva than three PO. Yeah, and he and Warwick and um what's the guy's name who plays um Oh Dinosaur Guy. Dinosaur Firefly. Guy. Oh, Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Alan yeah, I can never remember. Yeah, you know, I don't they, think I've they ever played even... so well off of each other. Oh yeah. They were fantastic. They were hilarious. Uh, that was the best part of celebration for me. Yeah. 
Um, we were a little bit late getting there. I think we talked about that in one of the wash. earlier episodes of the podcast. Yeah, wash, <laughs> wash, <laughs> Hoban. I felt wash. so bad for calling him dinosaur guy. Dinosaur. Wash. I'm, I'm yeah. not this bad, you know, with the nerd culture. I just I'm having a terrible time remembering. Yeah, names. she's being recorded. That adds to the pressure. Yeah. Well, I just I don't I don't do well with names. Period. So. Yeah. I'm not I'm not so much of a name person. The only reason I remember any of this stuff is because I've seen it a hundred thousand times growing up. I probably watched Star Wars I don't know the original trilogy at least two hundred times between the time that I first saw it and now. I'd say well over two hundred. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um yeah, because well, there were <laughs> there were some that I was I mean I was like I, there's just no way you're gonna get them you know like the yeah. uh, what what was one of them uh, like what was the name of the um, the star destroyer that was chasing down um, the rebel blockade runner in a new hope which I think I think was the devastator so guys don't rail me if I'm wrong about that I think it was the devastator. Um, which, uh, by the way, Executor is the name of, while it's on my mind, that is the name of Darth Vader's uh, flagship Super Star Destroyer uh, from Empire on. A lot of people say Executioner, um, but it's actually the Executor. So there's another little bit of trivia for you all. Yeah. Cool well, story, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I'm full of cool stories like that. That's why I do this show, because... Um, Maggie's tired of listening to it. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Uh, anyway, I think that's going to be pretty much, that's it, right? Yeah. All I right. So. Well, in that case, thank you for doing this with me tonight. I really appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> we'll see you again next time. See ya. That's another episode in the bag, y'all, and it was a lot of fun to record. Very relaxed, very laid back this go-round, which I thought was quite nice. Before we go, I do want to give a big thanks to Emerald City for hosting their first annual Comic-Con last month and for giving us the opportunity to meet so many wonderful creators. I, I know we mentioned Daniel Govar uh, earlier in the show, but I do want to give an extended shout-out to, uh, to a couple of the other artists that we met. I'd like to say thank you to Alden Thomas of Electric Shoebox Studios and artist Greg Krivak. Both of those gentlemen, supremely talented and quite kind. Uh, especially to my little girl, Greg. Um, Greg actually gave her a beautiful print of the original Pink Ranger because she was wearing a Pink Ranger costume to the con, and that was super cool of him. Uh, Alden hooked me up with uh, a bonus print, actually, of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. As he said, I was the first person to point out that the image was a direct homage to the cover of Queen's second studio record. So, you know, sometimes that stuff, uh, that knowledge does pay off. I'd also like to say thank you to Damar Hampton of Swollen Nerd for the excellent Spawn conversation. The thing is, I don't really run into too many fans of the HBO animated series, so it was awesome to run into a fellow fan of the series, and especially a fan of Keith David's just his brutal delivery um, in, the, in the voice acting for that character. It was fantastic. Of course, Keith David is just all around amazing anyway, but it's always fun to run into somebody who who knows who he is and, and appreciates him. But yeah, thanks to all you guys and and thanks to everyone at Emerald City for making that happen and you know of course feeding my habits. Um, we really can't wait for the next one. 
Um, but that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks again to Maggie for joining us this go-around. Thanks again to you all for listening to the Sleeping Giant podcast. I've been your host, Grayson Marcotte, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.